This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So Tuesday night, we've got a big game coming up. Brentford are playing Newcastle in the quarterfinal of the League Cup. And I can remember for years and years and years, I always, always, always wanted us to get to the quarterfinal of any cup. We played Liverpool in the quarterfinal that one time, which is absolutely mad back in, what's it, 1989 or something ridiculous. And there was loads of us went up to Liverpool for that game. But it's amazing that we've actually got to the quarterfinal of the Cup, something we've been desperately waiting for, and we can't even go to the game Absolutely gutter. But anyway, listen, Newcastle, Premier League team Newcastle coming down to New Griffin Park. The first time in a, in a few years. They were down there only a few years ago. Um, but a lot has changed in Newcastle since they came down a, a few years ago. So we're going to chat to Alex Hurst from the True Faith podcast. He's going to give us the lowdown on Newcastle. Alex, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Billy. How are you? I'm not too bad, man. She's sitting here looking at the sea. I've got a little bit of headspace and just getting myself geared up for the game on Tuesday night. But listen, tell you something. This is the first meeting between Bees and Newcastle since the 2016-2017 season. You know, we played you twice that season. We lost twice. And you won the league fairly convincingly that year with Rafa Benitez. I mean, does that seem a million miles away? Very much so. It was, um, it was a hugely enjoyable season for most of it anyway before Mike Ashley did the usual and tried to ruin everything in January. But uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a good season and, and we had two good games against Brentford. I, I thought Brentford played. I think Dean, was Dean Smith your manager then? That's yeah, right. He's, he's done all right for himself since, hasn't he? So. That's right, you know, and it was two good games. And it's one of those things where, you know, there's a few teams where, I mean, I mean I've mean, i seen Brentford play most teams in all the leagues, you know, from Accrington Stanley all the way up to Liverpool, like, you know what I'm saying? But there's a few teams that people get very excited about Brentford playing and hope, hope you don't want them to see. And I remember when we played you in Newcastle, it came out the draw, everyone was so excited. Away at Newcastle, I mean, we didn't care, it was a white cup draw. And like literally everyone and their dog went up for that we took 3,000 fans up to Newcastle we had a brilliant weekend you know I remember staying you know hanging out with Kevin Miles um, as you probably know you know that night I went to the Irish bar we went to all sorts of bar all over Newcastle I even stayed with a guy in his garage on the other side of the river as well he converted his garage into some sort of B&B at least so he reckoned and he says there you go open the door and I'm like this is your garage he's like yeah so uh two 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 very 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 good games but also 
We played you in the cup in 2001, this same League Cup as well. It was on a, I think it was on a Tuesday night. It was a definitely night game as well. Do you remember that one? I do. I think I was about 12. And uh, yeah, it was it was the League Cup under Sir Bobby Robson. And, and uh, it, was this, it was at the start of a very good season for Newcastle when we, we ended up qualifying for the Champions League. And, Put a really good team together, and that was a that was a close game as as well. I think I think it actually went the extra time. Um, and Craig Bellamy scored a hat trick. You know, Craig Bellamy was a great player for Newcastle, but he wasn't a prolific goal scorer. But it was that night, fortunately for us. And typical for Brentford as well that he has to come in and score some goals. And Lloyd Awusu scored the goal for Brentford that night as well. And Lloyd Awusu will also be discussing and talking about his memories from that game as well on this podcast. Going back to the 2016-2017 season. You've got still quite a few players from that season, you know, still playing for you. You had Shelby, you know, um, he actually ran the show for you as well in that game um, up, at, up at Newcastle. You've also got um, Dwight Gale as well. You know, he was spearheading your attack. You know, Matt Ritchie, Kieran Clark, you know, Yedlin, uh, Lazar, Lasell, Sammy Obiobi and, 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 and Jack Colback were there, but um, they're both at Forest now as well. So it seems that you seem to have kept quite a lot of your championship winning players in your side. Is that right? That's that's correct. Um, you know, lack of investment in the team has been a real issue. And Rafa Benitez had two seasons in the Premier League, and he pretty much had to survive with with like just the Championship side. Um, you know, the, the, the lads you've just mentioned there. I'm a I'm a I'm a huge Dwight Gale fan. He's 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 had a lot of injuries, and he's been written off by Sunny Castle fans. He went on loan to West Brom. And tore it up again in the championship. But I, I, I think Dwight Gale's a Premier League player, and I think any Premier League uh, or, or lower, you know, bottom half Premier League team um, could have a place for him. And, and like you say, I remember John Joe Shelby in the championship. He's one of those players, John Joe, who struggles at times in the Premier League, but is comfortably too good for the championship. Um, and yeah, like you said, Kieran Clark and DeAndre Yedlin were both brought in for relatively low money, and are still here doing a good job. So. That summer that we went into the championship was actually ended up being one of our best transfer windows for the Premier League because that team not only got us out of the, uh, the championship at the first time of asking, which is a, a tough ask for any relegated side, but still continue to keep us up in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, talking about those players, I mean, there were a few players that you let go. There was a, there was one player who's become our nemesis almost is Alexandra Mitrovic as well. And you let him go to the F word. The, 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 we can't mention their name, the f- 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 Fulham as as we call them as well. So um, you know, and he's caused us a few problems as well. You know, we managed to contain him as well. You know, I think Montes Pontus Janssen had in his pocket for a couple of games over the past few seasons as well. But they managed to beat us in the game that counted as far as they're concerned. I mean, Mitrovic, you know, how was he for you? Couldn't stand him. Lazy. Uh, not a team player. I think he's managed to sort his disciplinary issues out at Fulham. But um, at Newcastle, you got three red cards in a season. Um, a couple of them, there was a tackle on Kyle Walker, which was just like vicious and nasty. There was no need to do it. He could have broken his leg. There was an L, but Newcastle were playing West Ham. And after they'd just been promoted, they ended up winning 3 0. And Mutovic um, came off the bench and immediately within seconds threw an elbow in Lanzini's face and got a red card. It's, Stuff like that, that as a fan, it just, it just drove me nuts because it was a guy with some talent. Um, he was never fit. He was constantly overweight. Um, like me and my friends, there are some some Newcastle fans like him. Younger fans said to like him because he's a bit mad and he would do like stupid girl celebrations where he would, well, I'll not say what he did. I don't know if he still does it in front of him, but he would make a rude gesture. Um, Rafa Benitez, I saw through him straight away and I'm, I'm shocked that he's done well at Fulham because he was so bad for us. Um, I think his overall record for us was like one in eight, one in nine games. So really, really bad in front of goal. 
Um, and then, yeah, Follow Me just seems to have uh, to have done really well. Though, I, you know, played against us last night and put in the exact kind of performance when his team were dominant, by the way, and should have beaten us comfortably because we're terrible, which we might come on to. Um, but yeah, he was uh, he was awful last night, and I think I think Scott Parker. Well, I know this isn't a Fulham podcast. Has uh, has worked out that his, his best team doesn't doesn't compete uh, contain Mitch Rich. Yeah, which is annoying for us actually, because we we sussed that out quite a few weeks before the playoff uh, final as well, and we were keeping our fingers crossed that Mitrovich, well, you know, like I said, you know, would would actually play for them, and <laughs> he, he kept him on the bench, which was actually really annoying. So uh, <laughs> if he was on, we actually might have been for them. But we, we we will move on anyway. But also, there's a couple of other players as well, which actually I think is probably really hurting you quite badly that you let go. Um, and these two players are actually top goal scorers in the championship. You've got Adam Armstrong who was there for you a while and you lent him over everywhere. He was Coventry, he was at Barnsley, he was just there. Serial loans for Armstrong as well. And also the infamous Ivan Tony as well, who's banging them in for Brentford as well. So, I mean, tell us about Ivan and Newcastle. What went wrong? I think, I, I don't think anything went wrong. And, and we, we've obviously talked about this in our podcast and a lot of Newcastle fans are looking at Ivan Tony and thinking what went wrong. And, and Adam Armstrong, like you said, particularly since Adam's a, a local lad, from Newcastle and came through the academy, whereas we we bought Tony from Peterborough, maybe or, or so you know we brought him in as a youngster, but he still came through the academy. I think these players you you know you've mentioned there, I mean they have come good in 2020, but and, and a little and maybe last year and last season as well. But if you think about how how much game time have they had in the lower leagues, you know they've, they've played football consistently in leagues one and the championship to get to here. So if, if we'd have kept hold of them and playing under twenty three football and the odd loan here and there, I think it really stunt a player's development. And you know, I mean, we, we talked about Dwight Gale. Now Dwight Gale's a great example of someone who didn't start playing Premier League football until he was like you know twenty five, twenty six. Sometimes that happens with players. Sometimes you know, Daryl Murphy was an excellent player for us in the Championship. Spent the first half of his career in the League of Ireland. Um, so I just think I don't think things went wrong. I think they came into a, you know, Tony in particular, since he plays for you, he came into a really struggling club, a, a, a team that was hurtling towards relegation under Steve McLaren. It's not the time to play young players. He, he made um, a couple of League Cup appearances, I think, or at least one. I remember seeing him playing coming on. And then you just thought, this kid's, this, this is a kid. He's too young. He's too, he's too skinny. He needs to develop. And it's, I, I often would rather see players for their own good go out and develop a career at the lower leagues and potentially come good than like a Chelsea situation where you just hoard these footballers in the hope that they come good and send them on like loan after loan after loan. And I think Armstrong in particular, because he was a local lad, I think a lot of people at the club did want to keep him. And that's why he went on as many loans. But I think, you know, I, you know, I wish, apart from Tuesday night, I, I hope Ivan Tony does make it in the Premier League. You know, same with Armstrong. Um, but... They haven't done it in the Premier League yet, so I wouldn't say, you know, we're missing those players because we don't know if they're Premier League quality. Like we definitely know their Championship quality and very good Championship quality. And I think, you know, balance of probability. You look how good Tony is, and I'm sure you'd be able to tell me better. You know, you have to say that the the way his career has progressed, he will make it in the Premier League and great. But I don't think it's as simplistic to say we should have kept hold of these players because if we had kept hold of them, they could have just joined the ranks of you know under 23s who are released every summer. And you know, you know, don't make a career. So I think I think a lot of credit has to go to the players and also the clubs that have developed them. 
and Peterborough for Tony and, and then yourselves. You know, there's a lot of work gone in from those guys as well, rather than just saying Newcastle made a mistake. So, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll be, you know, eating my words on Tuesday and next season or if you come up and we go down and he's tearing up in the Premier League. But uh, I, I think I think the club did the right things by letting those players go because those players were never going to fit into a team um, in relegation battles in the Premier League whilst they were so young. You mentioned Rafa, Rafa Benitez. He was your manager when you got promoted. Well, he's your manager actually when you got relegated to our division, but he stayed with you when he got you promoted again. I mean, I personally, I love Rafa. I think he's a great manager. And I think also what he seemed to have done, he organised your team and your club from the top to the bottom. So, you know, he, he put your, your, your ducks in order, as they say. He got you promoted the first season back. You know, you finished 10th. The second season, you were 13th. I mean, I thought Rafa was great for Newcastle. I mean, I was a bit confused. Why he why he left? There's there's one answer and one answer sadly, and it's my Gaffey. Um, you know, Rafa was really really screwed over. He was he was promised the world to stay, and then he was quickly like every other manager. To be fair, and I think Steve Bruce has found out already as well that they say one thing and do another. So Rafa was told he would be in charge of transfer policy. He would have. There's a famous quote from Mike Ashley: "I will provide every available penny of the club's money." For the, for the manager to invest in the first team. And then in the summer, we got promoted. Um, they refused to, to release the kind of funds for players Rafa wanted. But, and we had a difficult season, but we ended up finishing 10th, which is pretty good as a newly promoted side. And we had some really big wins that year. Um, and and, and see, we've clicked. And then the second season of the Premier League, Mike Ashley actually took at least £30 million out of the club and paid to himself. Um and that, that came directly out of Rafa's transfer budget. So, so from that point on, he was always going to leave. He, he was never going to sign a new contract for the people that, had, in his words, had been consistently um, misleading towards him and intentionally misleading. Didn't, the trust was gone. That was the key word Rafa spoke about since the trust had gone. Um, and it's such a shame because, uh, you know, we only finished 13th in our second season. Um, it was a really difficult season. Um for a number of reasons, but by the end of that season, you, you know, I think Man City, went, they went on a 12-game running run, and then they went on a 19-game winning run, and we beat them in between, and I know Man City aren't great these days, but this is where Man City were getting 100 points, and Rafa had, had kind of forged this team with what he, with with what limited resources that he had that was that was genuinely capable of beating anyone in the league. Uh, we played Fulham actually uh, on the last day of the, the, the season. Fulham went down and we beat them 4 0. And it was just a great day. There were 6,000 Newcastle fans there. The sun was shining and it just seemed ridiculous that the club wouldn't do everything they possibly could to keep hold of him. But the club, the club, the club did not want to keep hold of him um, because he's so public with his discontent about the way they treated him and about their attitude towards the team and the league and the, the Cubs and stuff. And also, he didn't want to work for them. So I think, you know. I think it was a lot of shock on Tyneside and in, in, in the northeast on the day he left, but I wasn't surprised to see him leave. I thought it was uh, I'd resigned to him going. I think as as bad as the shock about Benitez leaving was who they appointed after as well. That kind of compounded it. So I mean, I mean, Rafa left and Steve Bruce joined, and I, and I have to, I mean, I have to say this, and this is all due respect. Listen, Newcastle, as I said to you, love it, love going up there, love your team, love the history. 
But Beast fans are not happy with Steve Bruce at all. And it goes all the way back to the day from when he nicked DJ Campbell off of us, you know, for £500,000 when we were going to win the league that year. And he just nicked him off of us after he heard about it from a mate because he scored two goals against Sunderland in the Cup. And then afterwards, when he went to Villa, he signed Scott Hogan from us as well. I mean, he laughed at that. He gave us £12 million, but he actually had no idea how Scott Hogan played or where he played as well. And we've kind of got sort of Steve Bruce's number, we feel, because, you know, Steve Bruce was just the type of football that he was playing at Villa. We... Personally, we believe that it just wasn't going to work. The players that he's putting together, it just wasn't going to work at all. And, you know, obviously, um, things have changed since he's left. So, uh, Steve Bruce is now at Newcastle. And, and like I said to you, he's coming down to us. And there's not a lot of love lost for Steve Bruce with the Brentford fans. I mean, how are you feeling about Stevie? Well, I understand him. Uh, I think he's the most loathed manager in Newcastle probably since Graham Souness back in 2005. Very similar managers, very, very, you know, the football under both of them is the same. He's, you know, I've tr- me and other Newcastle fans, we've tried to get behind them. We've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. The fact that he was given the job in the first place was just incredible. Um, you know, his previous Premier League job, he'd been sacked, he would, he'd been relegated with Hull. Um, before that, he'd been sacked by Sunderland. Uh, he was terrible at Sunderland. He, he, he made a load of disparaging remarks about Newcastle while he was at Sunderland and Newcastle fans. Um, he's, he, he gives it the whole I'm a Geordie stuff, but who like who cares? I, I could not care less when my, my manager was born. It genuinely doesn't bother me one little bit. But Mike Ashley admitted that he gave him the job because he was a Geordie, and it's like this is a pre-COVID. This is a business in the northeast that turns over nearly two hundred million pounds a year. And you're giving the most important person in your organisation the job because of where he was born. Just just ridiculous. But the, it's got really toxic between Bruce and the fans and there's no fans in grounds because the team are so bad and so lucky. Um, you know, Bruce talked, when he came in, he said he was going to take us forward. He said he was going to play, we're going to play better football. We we're going to do all this kind of stuff and we don't do any of it. And he's just so thin-skinned and not open to criticism. I mean... Newcastle played Fulham last night. Fulham, who who are, who are you know strong chance will be relegated this season. Um, we played Leeds on uh, Wednesday. We played West Brom last Saturday, so that we had three promoted sides in a week, and all three of those sides absolutely dominated us. And we've took, we've taken four points, and I don't know how. It's one of the weird you know we'll have we'll have less shots than anyone else in the league. We we'll score less goals apart from like Arsenal. Which is weird, um, you know. You know, Fulham came and before the red card last night, had seventy percent of the ball at St James's Park. It just it cannot continue. Um, I think we'll get relegated this season or next season as long as he's in charge. Uh, he's a he's a dreadful manager. Um, he was given the job because of where he was born, not because of the things he achieved in the game. And a lot of fans just uh, you know assume him to be a yes man because Rafa Benitez wanted the best for the club, wanted the best for the team, would always push for more money. Um, Steve Bruce just, you know, Steve Bruce said we had a great transfer window um, in the summer, and whilst it was good, bringing in Callum Wilson was good. We still didn't really spend much money compared to most teams in the league. Um, so, you know, people view him as, uh, you know, not a representative of the fans like Benitez was, but a representative of Ashley, and and he is that because Mike Ashley likes managers who are grateful to be in the job, who are not up, upwardly mobile in their careers. You know, who's he appointed? Alan Pardew. Well, where is he now? You're appointing Steve McLaren. Where is he now? 
Um, you point Steve Bruce, and I'm sure Steve Bruce will get another championship job after Newcastle because he has a decent record in the championship. But there's no way, no way, any other Premier League managed uh, club would would give Steve Bruce a job. It just it just wouldn't happen. And uh, you know, Newcastle fans have got this like ongoing battle with um, pundits and uh, like talk sport and stuff like that, and and, and Chris Sutton and, and Robbie Savage because they also hey, you know they're so harsh on. On Steve Bruce, what do they want? Yeah, when all of that, you know, when Chris Sutton's team at Celtic are really struggling, he's saying the manager would be sacked. He isn't saying Steve Bruce should get the job. When uh, Ian Wright is saying Arsenal are really struggling, you know, manager might be in trouble. They're not saying I'll give Steve Bruce the job. Yet we're told to be grateful to have Steve Bruce to have his 14th in the league, playing the worst football I've ever seen and getting dominated week in, week out by teams with a fraction of the budget of ours. So it's a long answer to your question, but no, I'm not a Steve Bruce fan. Okay, well, just to say, uh, I can now come out now, and I was trying to be polite when I was talking to you about Steve Bruce beforehand, but um, we actually think he's a terrible manager as well, and we just shake our heads. And when he got the Villa job, we just couldn't believe he got the Villa job, and every other job that he gets, we cannot believe it, because, you know, in our eyes as well, he is terrible. So you've backed us up, so I feel a little bit easier now in actually kind of letting off off my soul. Do you know if Steve Bruce has ever been to Barnard Castle for an eye test? (laughs) He's probably been to Barnard Castle, to be fair, he probably needs one. It might might help him pick a team better. Interestingly, because you're talking about Premier League there, and you're talking about a few teams, you're talking about the teams that got promoted. Okay, the Premier League seems to be you know, hopes and dreams. Brentford have also got you know fingers crossed that we're going to get to the Premier League. But it's one of those weird things for us, you know, for a team that I spent most of our time knocking around playing your South Ends and your Accrington Stanleys and your Scunthorpes and your and, and your Wrexhams, like you know, we're doing okay now, and people have, for once have actually started to respect the football that we're playing. So of course we want to go up and play against the best teams in the world, but we're also a little bit nervous about going to the Premier League because it seems like it's kind of not going to be as much fun as the Championship, and it seems that you you know certain teams are always constantly juggling with relegation. Regu- you know, there seems to be a massive gulf between the top four sides and the relegation-threatened sides like Fulham and West Brom and Arsenal. Um, and so, um, so for me, I'm just sort of thinking, how is the Premier League for you? I know you've been up there for years. You came down for, you know, only two seasons in the second tier, but you've spent your most time up there. But is it really fun? Well, it's not fun for, for us. It doesn't mean it can't be fun for Brentford. I think you look at the way Leeds have approached the Premier League this season. And before Wednesday night, Leeds were below us in the league. Um, and I think I think it's a difficult one, but I think I've got a lot, I've got a lot of respect for a team like Norwich, who who came up last season, who didn't spend silly money, didn't risk their future, uh, played their football, stuck to, stuck to like um, a philosophy, and they went down, and they probably made some money. And, and where are they now? Top of the championship with the same manager. And I think that's the way to do it. You know, you, you compare that to, that to West Brom, who Billich supposedly, you know, was told he had to get them promoted inside two years. He took them up. They, they were better than us last weekend. Shouldn't have lost that game. Should have won that game. Um, unlucky not to, unlucky to, 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 to lose the game. Uh, and he's out of a job and they've appointed Sam Allardyce. So, so Sam Allardyce, say he keeps them up this season on 37 points. Um, and then they keep them on for two years, and then they finish 16th and 17th. But they'll eventually get relegated, and Allardyce will leave this wake of destruction and huge wage bill behind them. So I think the fact that Brentford clearly have a like a, a philosophy, there's clearly a, it's clearly a well-run club. I mean, again, I, this is from the outside looking in, so, so you'd be able to tell me better. Um, the fact that there's a plan there means that I think you could get you can get promoted. And yeah, if you have a season like Norwich, it's not a lot of fun where you go down on like 22 points. But 
look at what Leeds have done this season. Leeds are proven that you can go up and you can attack teams and you can still play your football. And yeah, you might get beat some weeks, but you know, if Leeds stay up this season, then they can reinvest that money into an already successful team playing a certain way. And I think Brentford would be the same. So, uh, you know, it's not a lot of fun being a Newcastle fan because the, the owner at Newcastle has no interest in the football club beyond it staying in the Premier League. You know, there's a famous story that when we finished fifth under Alan Pardew, he was, he was furious because it meant having to pay more appearance fees and more goal bonuses, more wages next year for the, the Europa League. Um, you look at, uh, you know, you look at clubs up and down the league, you know, look at Everton have spent a lot of money and I know they've gone second yesterday, but we played Everton this season and they're not great and beat them. Again, probably didn't deserve to, but we beat them. Um, you know, so like, I think this season is different because of COVID and because of lack of crowds, but the Premier League is uh, is scalable and I think even even the fact that, you know, you saw what Fulham did last week to Liverpool, should have won that game, should have beaten us yesterday. So I think if Brentford were to come up, there'd be nothing to fear. Um, and you, you know, I've been relegated from the Premier League twice. It's it's not the end of the world. Football keeps going. Um, so I think if Brentford came up, I don't think it would be as uh, as negative as, um, as 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 people might think. How, you know, that's assuming that whoever owns the club is kind of content that relegation is a possibility and, and would rather you know keep doing the things you're doing than get someone like Sam Allardyce or Tony Pulis and they're trying to scrape you to 38 points. That would be fun. Don't mention those managers as well, or else you you start us on this. This interview will be four hours long instead. Actually, you know. So, <laughs> but listen, coming to Tuesday, as we said, Tuesday is the furthest Brentford have ever got in this competition. So we should be proud of ourselves here as well as a team. You know, as a fan base, everything that's going on, we are definitely moving ourselves forward. I'm going to ask you though, as a Newcastle fan, are you feeling confident going into this game? No, I think we'll lose this game fairly comfortably. Um, I'm not looking forward to it at all. I'm not looking forward to it for two reasons. Um, number one, the, the Steve Bruce's look is just off the scale. I've never seen anything like it. Um, the cup draws he's had over the past two seasons, you know, got in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup, and we've got the quarterfinal of the League Cup this year without playing a single Premier League side, um, which is just <laughs> insane look. Um, and then... You know, you're, I almost feel as a fan. We'll just say we win this and we'll get through to our first cup semi-final since 2005. Um, what's the point? Because we got from the quarter-final last year against Man City. And listen, losing to Man City is fine. I've seen us lose to Man City loads. I'm absolutely com- more comfortable than I should be with losing these games. Um, it's the lack of ambition. It's giving them, at times, 80% of possession. It's having no shots on goal. You know, Newcastle line up in games against bigger teams, no like like a conference side. You know, if 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 a team from the conference got Man City away in the cup, they would they could not be more negative than we are against these sides. Like I said, Fulham came to St James's Park last night and had seventy percent of possession before the red card. Like that is not a good thing. Like you know, I'm gonna record our podcast on the Fulham game after this interview. And one of the things we, we ask ourselves each week is how how can this be the plan? Because if you're going to give the opponent 70% of the ball, the chances are they're going to score. Um, and if you give them 20 to 25 shots on goal, like we do most weeks, chances are they're going to score. So it, if it is the plan, why is it the plan? And if it isn't the plan, why does it keep happening? You know, we can't get to the bottom of that one. 
So, you know, I think I think Brentford will, will dominate possession in probably a way that you haven't dominated a lot of teams in the championship this season because we're so passive. Played a game against Chelsea a few weeks ago and Chelsea won in first gear. We made one tackle in the whole of the first half. One. Which is like, it's like kids football, isn't it? It's like under sevens. Um, so I'm really not looking forward to this. There's a lot of Newcastle fans. And, and to be really brutal... Just say we win this game, we get through on penalties or something, or, or, or you know, it's like the kind of constant battle against the Bruce fans have is that it's going to be well, he got you to the semi final. Well, you know, Newcastle fans are never happy he got you to the semi final. All right, let's ignore the absolute horror show of everything else. It'll just be you got your semi final because that was what Pundit said last season, and that's what some of the fans were like, I got you a quarter final of the cup. It's like, yeah, but did you watch that quarter final? It was humiliating, it was a humiliation. Um, why is that a good thing to, 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 you know, if you look at our League Cup run so far, we had Blackburn at home. Blackburn played us off the pitch. By far the better team on the night. Uh, then we went to Morecambe and won 5-0, which is fine. They're a League 2 side, but, you know, good performance. And then we um, played Newport, who also need to, um, and won an extra time, I think. Oh, no, won a penalties. And Newport played us off the pitch. League 2, a League 2 side played us off the pitch and should have been comfortably, the game should have been over in 90 minutes. And yeah, I'm supposed to, you know, people tell us, oh, he got you, he's got you to win in the quarterfinal. And it's like, yeah, but did did you watch the games against Blackburn, like Blackburn and Newport? Because those two teams with their relevant budgets, and, and by the way, those two teams who in a COVID world play far, far more games than Newcastle United, far more games, um, you know, with, uh, you know, the championship being as relentless as it is, the shortened season, uh, the t- Newport uh, playing the the trophy and, and all that, and they still played Newcastle off the pitch. You know, it's just, I only want to get to a semi-final if there's an actual plan to try and win the semi-final because what we did when we played Man City last year was try and take a two-goal defeat before kickoff so it wasn't humiliating because that's how Bruce approaches these games. So yeah, I'm not looking forward to this one <laughs> at all. Saying that, I mean, it's interesting you talk about the amount of games that, you know, the, the, the championship teams have played. Obviously, we played, you know, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Saturday. We played a lot of games. And that is one of the things which, you know, may but, you know, play in Newcastle's favour, the fact that we've had to massively rotate our team. Um, we haven't played, a, you know, a, a straight first team for any of our matches. I know we've beaten Southampton, we've beaten West Brom so far in the running so far. But, you know, and this is no disrespect for the players, our sort of second string players, because they've done fantastically. But, you know, it's leaning towards the fact that we will play second string players, you know, a fair amount of second string players in this uh, in this match as well. It's a, there's a high chance that Ivan Tony won't play as well because, you know, they need him for the league matches because we need to get promoted. You know, so, you know, you, you have to, you, you know, we, we played, you know, second string defence against Reading. You know, we beat them in 3-0 on Saturday, but, you know, all the four defenders that are in the second half are actually our second string. So, like I said to you, you, you never know. The one thing, though, that may play into our favour is Phil Giles, our director of football, who's been, you know, instrumental in us, you know, in the system that we use, implementing the system, finding players that no one's ever heard of and bringing them into Brentford. He's actually a hardcore Newcastle fan. Um, he's, you know, every time we, you know, we play um, Borough, he always goes out there for the weekend to go and stay with his brother in Newcastle. So he's a hardcore Newcastle fan and he knows Newcastle inside out he's a, you know he's a he's a phd statistician you know what i'm saying so this is this is his world so if anything we'll have a little bit more reconnaissance and information on newcastle than most other teams will do which is actually quite good news but talking about reconnaissance who should we be looking out for for newcastle well assuming bruce plays the strongest team and 
he simply has to. I mean, it's it's impossible predicting Newcastle's lineups because he makes so many changes so often. This is something that Villa and Sunderland fans, we spoke to Villa and Sunderland fans when he was named our manager, uh, and we said, you know, Steve Bruce, what went wrong at your clubs? And they said, you know what he did at both clubs? He's he's quite good at assembling sides. I know you mentioned Hogan there, he didn't really do his homework there, but he does put together good teams. So you saw what, um, you know, Villa's manager now, um, who managed you before, did with Steve Bruce's squad. He got him up straight away. And, and, he, and he, I remember him saying that. He said, Steve Bruce has left me a really good squad. And Sunderland fans say he had the, the best they had the best squad in the Premier League under him, but he doesn't know how to use the players. And he he plays players out of position needlessly. Give you an example at Leeds. He played Jacob Murphy, who you, you might know a little bit about because he spent a couple of seasons alone in the championship at uh, West Brom and Chef Wed. He, he played him as a right-back against Leeds. Kid's not a right-back. But he had a right back on the on the bench, <laughs> and then he didn't pick DeAndre Yedlin in the match day squad, who's probably his best right back. And then yesterday he plays DeAndre Yedlin, and so like there was five changes yesterday, and he changed all the fullbacks and all the wingers. And sometimes he'll he'll do that; he'll change all the central midfielders and all the central defenders. So how how a, a team or a squad is supposed to get any kind of partnerships going, any kind of understandings going? It's very difficult for me to predict the, who will actually play against you. Um, Colin Wilson is, is a really good player. I'm, I'm really pleased we signed him. He, he, he has what, eight goals this season. Six penalties, I think, but eight goals. Um, or oh, five penalties. And uh, he's a really good player. Um, I probably didn't appreciate how good he was when he played for Bournemouth. But considering that we create so little, he's so sharp and he's so... You know, I don't know if you saw the, the penalty he got against Fulham last night. He's been very intelligent to... to to make sure that he went down in the box, make sure that it, it, he got closer to goal because he, he probably wasn't fouled uh, and he managed to get a penalty in the red card and rescue a point. So, Callum Wilson, if he gets a chance, he'll score, he's clinical. I've got a lot of time for him. You know, Ryan Fraser, we've, we've hardly seen anything of um, because he's been injured and he wasn't fit for the start of the season since he downed tools at Bournemouth at the end of last season. Uh, he's looked really good. Um, you know, Miguel Almiron is an excellent player, but it's just consistently um, incorrectly used by Bruce. Just, you know, Almiron is basically a, a deep-lying forward uh, who plays through the middle of the pitch. Number 10, some people might like to call it, but he, he's so fast. He's one of the, the quickest players in the Premier League that what he's doing is good is, is, is carrying the ball, running at defenders. Because he's because he's fast, Bruce plays him on the wing and doesn't play anywhere else. And he's not a winger. He doesn't, he doesn't have a trick to beat a player um, he doesn't. He doesn't like to cross the ball, but Bruce plays him as a winger. Um, and John Joe Shelby, an emesis from sixteen seventeen, um, on his day is a, is a really really talented footballer. Um, his day just isn't very often, and he really str- he really struggles when sides press him um, because he's he's not very mobile. I think one of the issues going back to that game in twenty sixteen at our place uh, when he came up was he had the freedom of the pitch. And if you give John Rochelle time and space, he will hurt you. But I imagine, because of the reasons you've just said there, the, the reconnaissance and knowing what Newcastle do well and don't do well, is um, is that you will press him and you won't give him time. Newcastle's best players in terms of performance are actually the goalkeeper. So Martin Dubravka, our player of the season last season, has been injured all year. And Carl Darla, who was our championship goalkeeper, has come in and just been absolutely brilliant. He's He's... Carl Darlow and Callum Wilson are the difference between Newcastle being bottom of the league 
um, and where they are now. Um, he, he's tended to play the third choice keeper in the cup, Mark Gillespie, who isn't very good. Um, I think that would be a huge gamble by Bruce to do that. And, you know, what, what are Newcastle good at? What should Brentford be worried about? We're good at conceding lots and lots of very, very good chances, but not conceding goals. We're good at making the ball hit the post and the bar. We're good at the goalkeeper making world-class saves. And we're, we're good at having one shot and scoring <laughs> and stealing games. So that's that's what I'd be worried about. If, if Brentford are wasteful and don't take their chances, we have form for uh, for Callum Wilson in particular. All he needs is one chance and he tends to score. And uh, we, we tend to get away with it more often than not. Well, I asked people to send in a load of questions and most of them are very silly. And this is probably the, the least silliest out of all of them. Would you rather play Joe Linton or 40 million boxes of matchmakers up front? It's a really tough one. Um, Joe Linton is terrible. And <laughs> Rafa Benitez, when the club put to him that they, were, they wanted him to sign Joe Linton, he said, no, absolutely not. He won't, he won't make it in the Premier League. So it's not like they weren't warned. <laughs> It's not like the people who do these things were not warned by a world-class manager. <laughs> Joe Linton's a real, a, a real funny one because he's a good footballer. He clearly is a good footballer. He'll just never, he'll just never make it in the Premier League running good football. You get players like that, you know. I don't know whether Brentford have had a few, but we, we've had a few. You know, we had Florian Tovan, who was terrible, but has played in the Champions League for Marseille regularly and played has played for France and been a good player. We had. Um, Going back a bit further, where Albert Luque, who played in the World Cup for Spain, played in the Champions League for Deportivo La Coruña, signed for Newcastle and was just clearly talented, but just too slow, too weak for the Premier League. And, and Joe Linton's another one who was just, he is, and I've, I've seen him like play 50 times for Newcastle. He's just not going to make it in the Premier League. He might play on Tuesday and he might score and he might do a couple of good things, but he's a defender's dream. He, he He's not, even though he's a big guy, he's over six foot. He just doesn't have the physicality for the English league. Um, I hate hate seeing him play. If Joe Linton had cost £5 million, he'd be nowhere near the team because it would just be, well, this guy's not good enough. But because he cost £40 million and because the manager, bizarrely, even though they'd signed him before he joined, bizarrely said he'd, he'd like, you know, approved the signing and thought he was going to be a good player. Um, he, t- he has to play him because he costs so much money. And, the only chance they've got of getting any of the money back. Even like he's not even worth to to another English team, he's not even worth ten million pounds. The only way they can try and get some money back in him is just by playing him constantly and, and hoping he, you know, gets a couple of goals. I think he's got two league goals for Newcastle and over in like forty four appearances or something in the league. It's just, you know, it's laughable, isn't it? Laughable. <laughs> and also, just one this one. This is probably an easier one for you. What's your second or your favorite second favorite Newcastle sponsor? Northern Rock, Wonga, or Sports Direct? Because I know what your favorite one's got to be. Wonga, are a loan shark company that got like fined hundreds of millions of pounds for ripping off vulnerable people. And Northern Rock, although the strip that they were on, yeah, is associated with good times in Newcastle because we're playing in the Champions League under Northern Rock they uh, went bust they went bust and loads of people locally like lost their homes and stuff so and, and I've never really thought about the toxicity of Newcastle sponsors like that before but I've asked the question it's a good point I can't pick one because they're all terrible Sports Direct's probably the, the, the worst least <laughs> of those three yeah, and I'm sure the best one is a, a Newquay Brown uh, beer though, I suppose that's the best one is it yeah well I think I think that and the uh, basically when it was beers and lagers uh, McEwen's lager as well um was a really popular one um, because that was Keegan's first team when he 
rescued the club from extinction pretty much and got them promoted and you know, challenged for the Premier League title inside 18 months almost. Um, you know, McEw- that McEwen's lagers in the kit, but yeah, a lot of fans uh, like the Newcastle Brown stuff. Funny thing on Newcastle Brown now, it's uh, Brood and Stoke. All right, of course, of course. Not Newcastle anymore. Just coming back to the game again, Brentford, what and who are you worried about? Well, I'm worried about Brentford <laughs> as, a, as an overall thing. Um, I think I think the fact, you know, Ivan Tony, like you said, I think a lot of Newcastle fans think you'll score. Not because uh, there's, I, I mean, I don't know, I've not heard Ivan Tony talk a lot this time in Newcastle, I don't think there's any bad blood there, but it's just one of those things, isn't it? You know, players tend to score against their former former clubs like Dwight Gale came off the bench against West Brom last week and scored within 30 seconds or something crazy because that's just the way it's uh, that's just the way it goes and I think um, you know you, 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 we did a bit of reconnaissance before this me and you and you, you, you said that uh, Force is 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 also scoring a lot of goals I think any any player who attacks Newcastle will, will get a lot of joy if I was Brentford I'd be if I was your manager I'd be saying don't worry about this lot. Pin them back. They won't tackle you. They won't press you. And get get in the box, and you'll score goals. And and I think the fact that you're on a decent run. I know you've had quite a few draws recently, but it was a good, a really good result for you yesterday against. I mean, I haven't checked on Red Reading. recently, but I know they were doing well earlier this season. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I think that you're coming into this in fantastic form. We're coming into this where the fan base is 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 like mutinous against the manager. And our next 10 Premier League games after this are, are really difficult. I think we've got Sheffield United and Palace. And the, the, the other eight games are games you are against sides who are in the top top half of the division. Um, so Steve has, he has to win this game. If he doesn't win this game, I can't see him lasting much longer. So, all right. So it's, it's a little bit doom and gloom in the Newcastle camp. However, as Brentford fans, that means nothing to us because, as we say, you know, we could always Brentford it up. Like, you know what I'm saying? They, we could be, everyone could be expecting us to win and, and it just doesn't really work like that. And we know this because we've been around for too many years to actually kind of count our laurels. So I'm going to ask you, listen, Alex, give us a score prediction. I think it'll be... 3-0 to Brentford. Poor God. You're, you're, God, you're, you've even got more Brentford than I have. Like, you know, we should maybe swap places. But... I, I cannot underestimate how bad Newcastle are as, as a side. The fact that we have 18 points this season is a scandal. Like, it is an absolute scandal against the sides we've picked up. From in, uh, I speak to some fans of Prem, other Premier League clubs and they always just think that the last game they saw us play was a bad day like a really bad day. It's like, no, this is us. This is how we play every single week. We went to Spurs and we didn't have a shot on goal until the 97th minute and got a point. And Spurs hit the bar three times. Like, it's just, we're so lucky. It's unbelievable. We are a terrible side. We conceded three goals in eight minutes against Leeds. You know, Brentford aren't a million miles away from Leeds either because they're in the same division last season, finished close to each other in the league. Um, you know, trust me, there's, there's, there's joy to be had for Brentford on Tuesday. Alex, it's been great chatting to you. Really, really interesting. It's a good little catch-up on, you know, championship days, old-school days, you know, what the Premier League's like and also what's going on in Newcastle. Just let everybody know out there how they can get hold of you and your podcast. Yeah, it's been it's been good to chat to you, buddy. Thank you for having me on. And, uh, yeah, if you if you want to hear a, a Newcastle perspective after the match on, on Tuesday, we're at we're True Faith Newcastle United. We're at TFNUFC on Twitter. And uh, we, do, we do post-game podcasts after every game. So, 
will no doubt be deconstructing the mess at uh, New Griffin Park on Tuesday night. Maybe we'll chat after the game as well on Tuesday night. Yeah, no problem. Okay, nice one. Cheers, Alex. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.